The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. This is Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, this is against the background of Benny Gantz uh, saying they're going to start an offensive unless the hostages are handed over by the 10th of March. But here's the rub. Uh, this is what Netanyahu had to say about whether or not um, the offensive would go ahead. There is no doubt in his mind what's going to happen. Have a listen. I hope we can also reach an understanding on the day after Hamas. But here's the critical thing. The day after Hamas is the day after Hamas is destroyed. The emphasis is on after. After Hamas is removed from the scene. So that's uh, the intent of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, Duncan, good morning. Good morning to you. So, you know, what Benny Gantz is saying about a deadline of the beginning of Ramadan, the 10th of March, uh, on the other hand, Netanyahu is saying, well, no matter what happens, we're going to remove Hamas from the scene, which would indicate they will go into Rafah anyway. Yeah, it's, it is a very complex situation, as we discussed last week. But I think well, you, you've also got to remember that Gantz was addressing um, US citizens, senior members of the Jewish community for that read, senior members of the Jewish lobby within the United States. So he will have been appealing to the the sensibilities of the Jewish community in the United States to keep pressure on um, all political parties to maintain support for Israel during this this, this current phase. So it's a very it was a very nuanced uh, speech that he made. And whilst Netanyahu is is going down in a fairly unrefined and, and fairly orthodox route of of no, no surrender and no concessions. Gantz is is hinting at a at a way forward that sees at least some kind of common sense in in this process by by putting deadlines are always a very dangerous thing because anybody who's negotiated a house purchase or or a car purchase anybody who's been involved in in international negotiations it's all the same once you put deadlines in place it's 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 a it's a it's a temptation to the opposition to break the deadline because it means you've already broken broken the process. But I think in this case, it's 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 perhaps more clever than we than we think, because what 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 is happening now with 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 Benny Gantz? He's actually saying, look, we're putting the hostage situation back on the agenda. That's the primary issue here. You've taken our people. We want them back, and that in in some way recognizes in a way that perhaps Netanyahu has disconnected from. The, the, the demands of the families, which that voice hasn't hasn't gone away of, of those who who are left behind with their hostages still hostages um, still being held. On yeah. on the other hand, you've got a situation where you know Netanyahu has led his cabinet also on Sunday yesterday in a in a in a rejection for any call for unilateral recognition of of the Palestinian state by, by outside nations. We've seen this in, in the international press in the last of 72 hours that some, some nations are wanting to, to declare a Palestinian state unilaterally. So you've, you've got a little bit of a standoff g- going on there. But I think the one comment that Gantz made yesterday, which is really worth focusing on, is that he said it will take years to rebuild the governance capacity in Gaza. And that governance cannot include Hamas, and should not be Israel. And that is the closest I think anybody has come in this war cabinet to actually suggesting that the the future of Gaza is going to be governed by Palestinians, not Israelis, and certainly not Hamas. Mm-hmm. Now, you can unpick that for, for days to come. 
But that's a very, very different position from Netanyahu and, and from Netanyahu's more, more, more radical element within his cabinet. So what can we read into this announcement, which gives a, a 20-day breathing space? It doesn't mean that bombardment of Rafa won't continue and um, targets, selected targets by the Israelis won't be hit. Um, but there, there will be a 20-day time period in which the principal actors have got to move somehow. Yes, and, and it may well be that in that 20-day period that, that Hamas come back with a more, uh, a more diluted offer. Don't forget the, the, Ham, the Hamas um, demand for a ceasefire was, was unconscionable to, to Israel. You know, the, the release of prisoners uh, on an unprecedented scale with them dictating which prisoners would, would be on the list for release. You know, the, the, it, it was always going to be rejected. Now you've got a situation where in many ways Israel can say, well, look, hang on, you know, we're not, we're not actually going into Rafa in the way that you all thought we were going to in the last, over the last few days. We have an element of control. We saw that last week with the, the rescue of, 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 of hostages from, as a result of a military action. So Israel is capable of operating within Rafa, has got good intelligence in Rafa, and probably understands the situation a bit better than perhaps they're letting on. Where it leads us to is we've got three weeks, effectively, with a backdrop of a full-scale military uh, incursion to actually come up with a sensible solution, which may well see the the release of hostages and may well see concessions given to Hamas leadership in terms of their ability to exit the territory. And I don't think you're going to get that from Netanyahu's more extreme cabinet members who probably want to see the whole the campaign continue until every member of Hamas is is, is dead and buried. So I think that there is internal strife within within um, cabinet. There's no doubt about it. But this this is a fig leaf from from Gantz to the international community to say, look, we're, we're we've got a reasonable position. Release our hostages, and we won't we won't launch a military offensive. So put mm-hmm. the pressure back on Hamas. It's it's I think is probably. A, a glimmer of light in this rather rather tragic situation. Um, I suppose we're looking at not good cop, bad cop in this, but we're looking at bad cop and less bad cop, uh, really, in terms of how the Palestinians would uh, view this. But is there something we read in the tea leaves here about what's going to happen as soon as hostilities stop? I mean, Benny Gantz takes over, even though there are extreme hardliners in that war cabinet, but he takes over. Netanyahu is somehow excluded, and you know faces the the music of the criminal courts. Well, I think I, I think the end is in sight for Netanyahu. There's no doubt about it. Um, the problem is that y- y- you've got characters in Netanyahu's uh, cabinet who are seeking to disrupt anything that looks like concessions to the Palestinians. Don't forget. Within Netanyahu's cabinet, he, he's got members who openly talk about the Palestinian Authority as being an illegitimate body, who openly condemn U.S. sanctions being placed upon the violent settlers in the West Bank, Israeli settlers who, who have been targeted by the U.S. for sanctions in the last couple of months. So th- there is a there are there are a group there is a group within Netanyahu's sort of supporting. Um, cast who who are never ever going to want to seek any form of rapprochement with 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 the Palestinians as an organised body. On the other hand, Gantz may well carry 
a more moderate vote. And I think there is a general feeling at the moment that were it to were it to go from push to shove, that Gantz may well be able to bring his moderates on board to to balance out the the hardliners that that would that would probably want to fill the gap where Netanyahu to go. But the other thing we have to bear in mind here, and, and it, it, it is on the agenda, and it was again, it was mentioned yesterday. Yesterday was a very significant day politically in, in, in Israel. There was a lot, of, a lot of statements made with future intent. Hezbollah is firmly now within the Israeli targets. They, they have made, it several, made several comments now, including Benny Gantz, to say we will no longer tolerate the cross-border um, rocket and anti-tank fire that's coming from, from Lebanon, we are going to deal with this. And, and we should not ignore that. And I think that if you look at that from a wider perspective, it, it, it again, you know, that you've got the spectre of, of, of Iran standing behind firm fairly and squarely behind Hezbollah. So this this isn't this isn't a quick solution. This is going to be going on for several months. Now, moving to a different part of the world, the Arctic Circle and the death of uh, Alexei Navalny uh, while in custody. And uh, there's no doubt that Putin, with trumped up charges and so on, and, uh, you know, controlling everything from uh, the courts to the media, um, putting him in jail and putting his life in jeopardy, um, he's ultimately responsible, although he certainly did not beat Navalny over the head himself or pull the trigger, whatever happened to Navalny. Um but does this in any way serve Putin well? It serves Putin well in Putin's world. Uh, Naval, his relationship with Navalny wasn't just political rivalry. It, there, was, there was a very significant level of personal animosity from Putin towards Navalny. We've, we've seen um, Prigozhin from Wagner murdered in, in the last 12 months. Uh, Navalny is 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 another on a very, not massively long, but a very significant list of people who have been murdered at the hands of the state. And if you go back even as far as 2004, 2006, you know, journalists murdered on Putin's birthday, as, you know, critical journalists murdered on, on, on his birthday. You've got Boris Nemtsov, who's probably one of the more high-profile assassinations in 2015, former deputy prime minister, murdered within sight of the Kremlin walls. You know, there is a long, there's a litany of, of this type of behaviour. Uh, look at the, the, the Novichok attacks in Salisbury in the UK. This is standard operating procedures for the Putin regime. So we shouldn't be surprised. I think what has shocked us all a little bit in this was that here we had a we had a character who was personable he was humorous he he was clearly very brave he had chosen to go back to russia to 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 take on putin it, at the ballot box and he had probably signed his own death warrant the moment he 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 returned the fact he signed his own death warrant the moment he stood against putin it would it would appear but this was this was a character who many people felt was too big and too flamboyant to actually be be threatened, and yet Putin has taken a, a different view, and now he's dead, and we don't know the exact circumstances. And the fact dead. that his mother was prohibited from accessing her son's body, uh, and they say, you know, the authorities we have to conduct our investigations, etc. Um, it, it is not beyond the bounds of possibility they're trying to, you know, cover up what happened to him. 
Uh, they said it was a sudden adult death syndrome, a collapse after a, a short walk in the cold weather of Siberia. But nobody believes that. No, nobody believes it, and I don't. And I, but in many ways, it, it is irrelevant because whatever whatever the direct cause of, of death, whether he was beaten, whether he was poisoned again. You know, there are some who say that you know that his, the the, the, the uh, Novichok attack that he he suffered was probably you know ultimately going to degrade his health over a long period of time. Anyway, it, it's irrelevant. The point, the facts are, he was put in a, in, a in, in circumstances where his death was was inevitable. I mean, these are not holiday camps. We know that. So I think I think the state, the Russian state, and ultimately Vladimir Putin is directly responsible for the death of a decent, flamboyant and very brave Russian patriot who was a voice of reason in a, in a sea of madness. And so it will continue. Duncan, thank you very much for joining us. That's uh, Duncan Bullivan, who's CEO of the Henderson Group and International Risk Management Advisory. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.